Welcome to Faith Talk. This is Reverend Jay Glover. I am glad to be here today. This is the day that the Lord has made and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, today is a special day. It's the continuation of, of the topic of redefining success. It'll be our third part. I've had the privilege of um, going through the first um, four chapters so far of Dr. Laquita Monley's book entitled Redefining Success. Particularly like about the book is that it offers the reader an opportunity to be placed on a trajectory, a trajectory towards uh, getting on the path of, of, of transformation. The book offers tools and takeaways that will assist the person uh, in redefining success and building a, a, uh, an entrepreneurial uh, mindset. So again, we welcome you to Faith Talk and, and we're expecting Dr. Laquita Monley to come in and join us during this session. Now, I'm reminded of the, the Bible story in the book of Acts where, where the, the, um, the apostle Paul, before he was Paul, he was Saul. He journeyed along the road and he was on his way to, um, to arrest, to have Christians arrested. Uh, and, and on the road, he, he had a, an encounter with Christ with the resurrected Christ who interrupted his life and his, 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 his life was transformed at that point. Um, and in the same way, and, and there was a great change in his life, and in the, in the same way, Dr. Laquita Mommy's life was interrupted early in life and, and she encountered some things. Uh, uh, she, she experienced some things, but there's been a great transformation. And as a matter of fact, she's, she's gone from being of a, a person in great need to now being a person of great help. So that's willing to, um, to help others from as she learned from her experiences. And she, she identified the gifts in her life and she's doing a wonderful job of, of um, sharing these gifts and wisdom to those who she encounters along their road. So I want to welcome now Dr. Laquita Mombi and I thank you for being here. Thank you, Reverend Glover. Thank you so much for having me. Well, so far we've 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 um, talked uh, about the first four chapters of the book. Today we're going to discuss, have our conversation around chapters five and six. And and you know, as I said, the um, the the fifth chapter um, it, it comes out of the gate with a strong title that's that says "Converting Conversations to Currency." So yeah. the the question becomes, what? conversations are we talking about and what currency yesterday we spoke yesterday and you you surprised me with the expansion of your definition on the currency <laughs> that was fun so could you just share with you know what what conversations are we talking about and and what currency are we talking about you you entitled the chapter converting conversations to currency so I thank you again for the opportunity to uh, to just share and talk about my book. And it's so important that we understand that every conversation that we have, we can convert it into currency. 
Um, and that currency isn't always fiat currency. It's all. It's not all about the dollars, the cents, the euros, the pounds, or whatever you know currency you use in whatever country you're living in. But currency can be. It's what we need in order to obtain the things we need to obtain. If I'm in need of spiritual growth and maturity, the conversations that I have with spiritually mature people, that conversation should convert into a currency mm-hmm. that causes me to elevate. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm I'm in need of uh, mindset shifting, the conversation that I have with people that are more mature, that are already occupying that place that I want to get to, the conversations that I have with them, the currency is, I should be able to pull from that, glean from that, practical tools that can help that when I implement them consistently and with discipline, it gets me to the place that I desire to be. And then, of course... We all could always use a little infusion of cash. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, those people who you're in constant conversation with that are having the most impact and influence in your life, whether it's a serious conversation or a joking conversation, when you leave that conversation, are you able to glean things from that that will cause you to be able to increase your network? Mm-hmm. So, so let me then ask this, um, what are some, well, okay, let's say this. So as we engage conversations that hopefully we can draw something from and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and apply from the wisdom that we've in, you know, that we've taken in from our conversations and relationships. Um, well, I think we got to back up a minute. Um, you can't expect fruitful conversations from, people who are engaged in pure foolishness. Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, I think you mentioned in your book, you know, uh, birds of a feather flock together. And and, mm-hmm. and I heard somebody once say, when you get married, you should marry up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, Absolutely. So, so we can't expect to um, to fly like an eagle when we're running with turkeys. First. There you go. Right. There so you go. so what, what are some of the things that gets in the way of us um, absorbing and and applying um, and benefiting from these fruitful conversations? What can get in the way of that? Um, A lack of humility and Mm -hmm. fear would be at the top of my list. Amen. So you said humility and fear. So in order to um, engage in a conversation, you know, we have to be able to, number one, listen to the other person. Correct. And you know, listening is a skill in and of itself. Yes, it is. Um, and, and if we're too, if we we don't have humility, uh, and I guess what you're saying is that if we're too proud, if we mm-hmm. think if we think that we know it all, mm-hmm. and, and that we're we don't have a teachable spirit, it becomes a dangerous thing. Um, Absolutely. So what what else can get you know what else can get in the way of our ability to listen? And then you know fear. And mm-hmm. here's the Fear masks itself in so many different forms. You know, a lot of times we are fearful of things, and fear can also mask itself as pride. Mm-hmm. It, can, it, it can mask itself as anger, bitterness. Or, you know, it could be just downright open and say, oh, no, I'm afraid. Or we will say, okay, you know, I well, I just got to utilize some common sense here because I know my situation. Mm-hmm. And 
You know, God is not going to cause me to go out and do nothing foolish. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. So we have to be able to recognize the fear and do what it takes to overcome the fear. Fear failure or fear success. It's still fear. Mm-hmm. Fear keeps us from trying. Courage gives us the ability to try and in the midst of our failure, still learn a lesson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, don't allow fear in whatever form is manifesting itself in your life mm-hmm. to keep you from learning. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that I think that the fear, um, you know, some people when we engage as a person of faith, you know, I like to pray. And I look at prayer as being a, a, a dialogue session with God. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people don't want to pray because I feel that they are afraid of encountering God, mm-hmm. fearful of what God might say. Yes. Um, and and the same thing with listening. We we um, we can become one of the things I believe that impedes the listening process is when we become allow ourselves to to become so busy. Mm-hmm. We can't settle down and be still for a moment and listen to hear the voice of God. Right. Um, that gives us direction from on high or, or in, a, in a, a conversation with another person. Usually we listen to respond because we somehow have to answer in the back of our head what, before they even finish talking with this, saying what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, so um, I think us being too busy also impedes the listening process. And if we're too busy to listen, to quiet ourselves down and listen, then we're certainly too busy to learn. So let's just talk for a moment about some of the things that might impede the learning process. I know I heard you talk about unlearning some things. Yes, yes. And you know that our unwillingness to unlearn can absolutely hinder our learning process because uh, well, I'll go back to what something that you said. When you think you know it all already, mm-hmm. then you're unwilling to learn anything new or or acknowledge that this new skill, this new approach, this new way of thinking, this and, and are different is as effective or more effective than what you're currently doing. Complacency and apathy are real. Mm. And if I am a one that is fearful, but I have not recognized the fear. Or I am one that is so prideful and arrogant um, that I won't receive help. Mm-hmm. And if I, I know it, you know, every time. You, you ever been in a conversation, sir, with someone who says, well, I know it. Right, right. And that's the answer for everything. Or right. you're trying to explain something to someone and, oh, well, I've done that before and I did it like da 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 Mm-hmm. No matter what you're saying, they got an answer. They, I call it a one-up person. If that's yeah. you, you'll never be able to achieve the goals that you want to achieve um, because you're never open. Or, let, or mm-hmm. let, me say, let me take that back. I won't say you'll never. The road you take to get there, it's going to be a whole lot rougher than the individual who submitted themselves to learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We look at some of the greatest uh, people of our age. And they're always submitting themselves to learning. Mm-hmm. Well, I can I can give you um, two two examples of of uh, that provide a challenge 
to your learning and unlearning? First of all, let's talk about a theological perspective, a theological mm -hmm. lens. Um, you know, as a seminary graduate, I can look back on days when when there were issues of, of theological, um, you know, issues that came up that um, people were so tied to mm -hmm. through through their the embedded theologies of their youth that they were unwilling to even look at something new. Yeah. And the easiest example is when we look at what could have been a, um, a an actual event, or is or is it a, is it a literary expression of an idea? Um, you know, like um, did the Red Sea actually part literally, or did was that just a a, 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 a term, a phrase, to a story to to illustrate a truth, a great truth? Mm -hmm. um, you know, Jesus spoke in parables that were absolutely, you know, heavenly stories with, with an earthly meaning. So that's one example of, of not willing to let go of some of the theology that we hold on to as, mm -hmm. as from our youth. And then you have the a practical application. Like I, I remember being in the banking industry um, for a great number of years. And, and I can remember, you know, a person coming to me from another bank who's now going to work with me and telling me what they did at the other bank. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I say, well, yeah. you know, that's nice, but we do things a little bit different over here. Right. <laughs> and, and, and this is what we need to learn. So, um, you know, if a person is, is holding on to what he did at the other bank as being mm -hmm. the only way, um, then he's going to be unable to learn what we needed him to do. Um, so that's that speaks to the the unlearning piece. It's nice to know what you did at XYZ First Potato Bank of Idaho, but now we're on Wall Street. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. When, and, it, and it goes like, you know, it served you well there. It served you so well there that now you've arrived at this new place. Mm -hmm. And now that you're at this new place, the things that got you here won't necessarily be the things that caused you to grow and flourish and maintain here. You're going to have to be open to learn newer and greater skill sets, mm -hmm. newer ways of thinking and newer ways of viewing, you know, the viewing, not just your job, but, you know, viewing culture as a whole. Mm -hmm. We have to be open to receive. We have to be open to learn because it's in that learning um, that we experience growth. Because if I learn something, then I'll apply it. And if I apply it, then the principles behind it will impact me in a positive way. And it'll produce change. It'll produce growth. It'll produce an increase of finances. It'll increase. It'll produce an increase in stewardship or awareness. Mm -hmm. But the, the thing is, it will produce. Everything mm -hmm. that we learn or that we're willing to learn will produce. Fear will cause us to maintain bad habits. Mm. Because we're so afraid to try the new habit. We hate what we're in. We hate where we're at. But fear has us so wrapped up and that we've learned how to manage where we're at, even though we hate it. We can manage it, though, because it's familiar. Mm -hmm. And someone's trying to throw us a lifeline of knowledge mm -hmm. so we can apply that knowledge and come out of that situation. But because it's the unfamiliar, we're so afraid of the unfamiliar and the unknown that we stay in that place that we hate and just learn how to manage what we hate. Why? Because we were unwilling to learn and mm -hmm. we were unwilling to try and apply. 
Mm-hmm. And that, that reminds me of, you know, again, a biblical story of this great Exodus event where, you know, they were led to the water, to, to come mm-hmm. through this water that was going to part. But if they never would have stuck their feet in the water, <laughs> it never would have parted, as they say. And, and, um, and as a matter of fact, um, they hated the slavery that they were in back in yes. Egypt. But when they got yeah. on the other side, they wanted to go back because they were mm-hmm. afraid of the unknown in yes. this new place. They were afraid right. to have a little bit of faith and trust God leading them to a, a new place. So mm-hmm. we, we, we talk about applying these um, uh, um, new uh, things that we've learned. And, you know, about wisdom, I'd like to say this. You know, you say that we have to, you say wisdom is the, the opposite of, of poverty is wisdom. Bible yes. says that blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. So wisdom is more than just knowledge. Could you, yes, could you speak about that a little bit, the difference between um, knowledge and wisdom? So knowledge is... Knowledge is... is my son likes these books, and the books are called, um, you know, whether it's got 5,000, 10,000, 3,000, or whatever, useful, useless pieces of information. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is just the information that we're holding, right. that we're absorbing. Wisdom is the benefits of the knowledge. So when I'm using wisdom, I'm able to take that thing that I've learned, the knowledge, the information, apply it, and now it prospers me. Mm-hmm. Wisdom mm-hmm. is the fruit of the knowledge that I possess. Mm-hmm. Or, or like the saying, a jack of all trades, but masters of none. That is the mm-hmm. biggest downfall of humanity. Mm-hmm. Where you've mastered none. The mastering <laughs> piece is the wisdom piece. I can master multiple things. I might, can't master them all at one time, but I can master them. Mm-hmm. And cause all of those multiple things that I've mastered to prosper me. That's mm-hmm. the we, Everybody that's listening to this wisdom chat now live or even in a replay, we can probably name four to five people who we wonder, man, you are so smart. Why are you in this current condition? Mm-hmm. Because they were unable, life's challenges or whatever happened, to take that information that they've learned, that knowledge, and cause it to benefit them, cause it to grow them, cause mm-hmm. it to fight for them. And likewise, we also know some people who weren't quite that intelligent, mm-hmm. but their money is long and it never ends. Why? Because they mastered one thing. They mastered how to apply the little bit that they do know and cause that little bit to increase their net worth. Mm-hmm. So who truly is the wise person? The person who can cite, recite, you know, encyclopedias? Mm-hmm. Or the person who can barely string together three paragraphs, but they're clocking seven figures regularly? Right, right. And in your book, in your book, you, you mentioned again, I'm going to keep coming back to your cousin, Curtis. Who, yes. Who... who um, who s- provided you with a lot of information? Yes, he did about real estate, and and then you say that um, he did more than just teach you about real estate. Yes, you say that those extensive talks challenged our way of thinking, 
and forced you to confront the limiting beliefs restricting our potential. Yes. Um, so again, you were challenged. Well, no, with this new information that you had, you're, you it challenged your whole your whole mindset. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Because at that time we had a very um, what a poverty mindset. You know, we 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 didn't come from wealth by in any form. And so, because we we didn't come from wealth, and we were surrounded by individuals whose mindset wasn't what Curtis's mindset was, that's how we thought about it. So it was all about um, our mindset was all about you know all of the all of the systemic challenges that we faced as black people that we had to overcome and that everything and everybody was against us and that every time I get a foot ahead, you know, I get five steps ahead, something knocks me 10 steps back. It was all of the negative things, right? Not that any of that wasn't true, but that's not where my our mindset should have stayed and dwelt upon. In those conversations with, with Curtis, he challenged all of that because he was from the same place that we were from. Grew up under the the same conditions, if not worse conditions, because he was a much older gentleman than we were. Mm-hmm. And so he, we grew up at a time where we had a lot more freedoms and liberties mm-hmm. as African-American people in the South than our, our parents and our grandparents. And Cousin Curtis, as I said, he was much older. Um, at that time, when we met him, Cousin Curtis was uh, about in his early uh, 70s. Mm. He's right in his early 70s because he was he was my grandmother's cousin. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at where he came from, how he even ended up in Seattle in the first place. Because that, that's the story. He got ran out of Mississippi because of racism. Right. Literally ran out of the state. He got ran out of the state, but he didn't let those challenges stop him. He looked at the challenges found the opportunities and because he couldn't get a place at a particular table due to the color of his skin and and the racial prejudice that was very legal in the day he created his own table by buying blocks Mm -hmm. buying city blocks in a major city in America Mm -hmm. at a time where how did you do that every blockage possible was in your way to do that but you did that and here I am letting a little something like bad credit or um, income. I got more months than I got money. You know, mm-hmm. our monthly income was small and our credit was bad. So we thought I let something like that stop us when you didn't let this and greater things stop you. He challenged us mm-hmm. not just to see. Not just to say, hey, I can become a real estate investor, but he challenged us to change the way that we think and to change our impoverished mentality or ghetto mentality into a mentality that says nothing is impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, you brought up something that was that is very um, interesting and powerful. You said that he was in his early or mid-70s, you said? At this time, he was... Uh, um, in his early 70s, late 60s, early 70s. Okay, so so what we're talking about now is the passing of of wisdom intergenerationally. 
And because y'all weren't in your early seventies, <laughs> no, we we were we were barely we were barely honestly in our mid twenties at that time because this is the early two thousands. Right. We moved to uh, Tacoma in two thousand. Mm-hmm. In in the year two thousand, uh, my husband came back from Korea, and we moved to um, Tacoma, Washington, and our cousin lived in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And we would make those trips from Tacoma to Seattle um, mm-hmm. to visit with him and learn from him. And honestly, the first time that we went, sir, I, I we didn't really want to go. My mm-hmm. grandmother kept bugging us because. Uh, you know, elderly people, older generation always want you to connect with your family. You need to know family in the area. And she kept on after us for weeks to connect with the only family we had in the area. Mm-hmm. And the deal was, I didn't know him, but I knew he was her age. And so we're thinking, why in the world do I want to hang out with him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's just go and be respectful because we promised uh, a karma girl and the momo. We promised momo we were gonna we were gonna go. So let's just go, pack the kids up, and hey, we're going to visit the fish markets and a couple of other sites we want to see in Seattle. So it won't be a total loss. Mm-hmm. We never well, made it to the fish market that well, first trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. You know, I, it makes me think about younger folks today. And I think that there, in some cases, not all cases, but there seems to be a proclivity for young people to devalue the wisdom of their elders, as they say. They mm-hmm. might say, well, you know, you guys are old fashioned and, and you know, um, especially in, in the ministry, I'm a, ministry, a minister, so I see this in up young upcoming ministers. They want to um, be a little bit arrogant, thinking that um, their way is, is the, the new way of doing things and, and have a total disregard for the for the people who have laid down the, um, or can, they couldn't, can share their experience and, and allow people to benefit from their experience. So what would you speak about young folks who devalue the experience of those who have come before them? It's arrogant. Mm-hmm. And it'll be to their detriment. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see it every day. Mm-hmm. We see it every day all around us in every aspect of life. Um, Snoop Dogg is from my hometown. Mm. And when he um, when he comes home, he never makes a big announcement. You just generally see it on social media. And for those who happen to be at home at that time, small town Mississippi, right? Those who happen to be at home at that time, if they're, his family owned a couple of businesses and bars and whatnot. And if you know the family, then you'll see him, mm-hmm. right? And one, of, and one of his more recent posts, I said within the last couple of months, he was there and he was visiting an uncle and he made a post about it about the necessities of sitting down and the benefits of sitting down and gleaning wisdom mm-hmm. from the older generation. But you will see that in truly successful people. Mm-hmm. They understand the benefit of gleaning wisdom from the older generation. Why, why is that so important? Because as a parent, now I understand it. Mm-hmm. There are things that I have been through in my life, roads that I've crossed, bridges that I've crossed, mountains I've climbed, that you have to face them as my children, as younger as 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 younger women. You have to face them, baby. And some things that never change are principles. Mm-hmm. Principles never change. I don't care what the world is saying and doing now. Principles never change. And history repeats itself all the time. So 
where you may be doing it electronically on the web and I was doing it via AT&T, mm-hmm. we still do, right? Mm-hmm. If you listen to me, I can save you a few steps and a little heartache. I can give you some clarity and help you see a few things coming. That's the benefit of talking to an older generation. Mm-hmm. You well, get the wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I'll speak from my banking industry experience. Um, I was in it for such a long time that we saw technology change. Um, the, what benefited me from coming from the pre uh technological advancements was that I understood what was going on behind the scenes because we had to do everything manually. Yes. And and whereas the newer people who came in the last, you know, last 10 years or so um, could only, they learned how to do what we do in this operation by inputting things on the computer. They didn't know what the computer was being told to do. Correct. So, so what I, my, my, benefit was that if something went wrong I knew what was supposed to happen mm-hmm. I knew what the underlying mechanics of the transaction I knew what was supposed to happen yes, and if something went wrong I could I could fix it and everybody's wondering well how did he know that in and you know how did this older guy know all of that well <laughs> because I understood what was supposed to happen you understood the principles of it mm-hmm. you, you, and that's important and so a lot of times, and, and I love that that I love that example because even for myself, there are a lot of things about the principles as it relates to real estate investment. The the that a spreadsheet couldn't tell me mm-hmm. that getting the comps in the area could not tell me. But learning from Curtis the importance of people skills understanding where this neighborhood was where this neighborhood is now who are the potential people that are trying to come into this neighborhood you know how this neighborhood has the potential to transform mm-hmm. good or bad mm-hmm. he had to be able to do that without running comps mm-hmm. without having access to the MLS without having a network of other investors to speak with these are skills that he had to learn through having conversations with people who didn't really respect him as a man, much less as a businessman. Mm-hmm. But learning how to deal with people and and learning how um, the importance of networking and having these conversations with other business leaders in the area as he was scouting out properties and places to buy, even coming into the neighborhood and developing relationships with people in the neighborhood. Why was that important? Because if I treat the people right, the people are going to treat my property right, and they're going to help me know who to rent to and who not to rent to. Mm-hmm. Who to mm-hmm. give a break and who not to give a break. Mm-hmm. You know, something that I just couldn't learn in the book or books. Right. right. But he taught us in these conversations. Well, you know, myself, I, I hate to keep referring back to myself, but it is what it is. I'm talking about, <laughs> right, right. I'm talking about my experience in, in the banking industry. I, um, you know, I was a musician. I came off the road and I decided to get a job to try to do the right thing in life. And um, of course, without any um, um, skill, uh, you know, I was placed in a very menial position, right? Front end, front office type position. And and um, the tasks that were assigned to me were very menial. 
But in handling these menial tasks, I decided to do a little bit of learning myself. And I took the initiative upon myself to, to read through some of the things that were that I was handling. And, and, and through the right handling of this information, I was able to learn a little bit more about what was going on in the department. That's not something that you learn in college. It's something that you learn in the bank, on the job, on Wall mm-hmm. Street. And, and um, eventually, you know, I became a vice president in the bank. So, <laughs> so, so signing checks for millions of dollars. So wh- what I'm saying is that the learning process is so important. And you shared in your book that you, you, um, you said that there was one when you first got started, there was a course that you, were, you got most of the course. You didn't get all of the course and something <laughs> happened because you didn't take that final piece of information. Could you just tell somebody that, that maybe didn't hear that piece? Yes. So with the, um, with the course, we saw this course and we were still learning how to come out of that poverty mindset. So we made a decision that we were going to spend X amount of dollars and we'll get as much of the course as we could. And that's what we did. We didn't buy the whole thing because we didn't. We didn't have the money. And at that point, we didn't understand the importance of waiting until we got all of the funds to get the whole thing because we were ready to get rich and we were ready to get rich now. Mm-hmm. Well, my husband was in his first deployment to Iraq. He was there for the initial invasion of Baghdad. And mm-hmm. I had been left with one assignment. Take that course material learn it, and purchase us our first property. And so I did that. Problem is, I didn't get all the course. Mm. So there were a few steps left that I needed to do. And looking back on it today, learning those few steps, and it would have cost me maybe an additional, um, honestly, 20 bucks Mm. to process a different piece of paperwork an additional piece of paperwork to put a deed on file at the courthouse mm-hmm. in our name is what I did not do mm-hmm. because I didn't know I needed to do it. Right. right. Eventually, when my husband came back, we had spent all of the money to get into the property, fix the property. The owner decides, oh, no, I'm going to come back and get the property because it was a rent-to-own situation. And a lot of people look at that rent-to-own as, oh, that's just... That's never legal. It is legal, and it is actually a good thing when done properly. I missed the step. Mm. And because I missed that step in the state of Texas, it was not my house. It was still that person's house. And so that person had all legal recourse to come back and get their house, and there was nothing I could do about it. And I couldn't get the money back that we put into it. Mm -hmm. So my husband's welcome home gift from invading Baghdad well, fourth ID was in less than two weeks' time, he was homeless. Mm. Homeless, no money, and no way to fix it. Mm. Mm. Because the people in our network at that time were not increasing our net worth. So we couldn't even go borrow a quarter nickel, dime, or penny from them. Mm-hmm. And because pride is real, who wants to tuck the tail and call your mom and your dad right. and your family like, How do you say that to them? Mm -hmm. All of those factors was taken in place, but, you know, my husband had a wife and five kids that he was taking care of. As the wife, I had my husband and five kids 
that I was responsible for and I failed them miserably because I had one assignment and I failed that assignment and then me failing that assignment, my family became homeless. Mm -hmm. And you know, let me ask you this. Um, how did you feel at that, at that moment? Oh, less than dirt, like, mm. I, you know, the, the dirt that was under the bottom of my shoe had more value than I did to me in that moment. Mm. And it didn't, my husband's acceptance of my failure caused me to feel even worse. Mm. Because after telling him about it, and he asked, you know, was there anything else that we could do that I know to, you know, knew to do? Um, and I had to be honest with him. And, and he went to legal on post and took all the documents that we had, explained the situation, and the attorneys there confirmed that there was nothing we could do except for move. Hmm. That was the choice we had. We, we could move. But we didn't have the money to move. So he came in. We had the conversation. He didn't yell. He didn't cuss. He didn't scream. He was angry. I'm not saying he was not angry. The brother was angry. Mm -hmm. But he came in and he took responsibility for the situation. And I couldn't understand how that was working together in his head. Mm -hmm. Like, mean? What part of this is your responsibility? Like, what part of this is your fault? You weren't even in the country. Mm -hmm. You were busy trying not to die and trying to make sure all of your soldiers came back alive. Mm -hmm. You were doing your job. I failed at my job, so how is this your responsibility? How are you at any fault? And what he said to me was, you know, because we're married, we're, we're a couple, we're a team, uh, and he's the leader, because he did not, he was not more involved in the process to be that next set of eyes that he wanted to own that portion of the responsibility, that that was his portion of the responsibility. Even today, I don't completely agree on it, even though I'm a more mature woman and I, and I understand more, you know, biblical principles as it relates to headship within our home. I get that, but I'm the one that messed up. Mm -hmm. And so with him telling me that, that just served to make me feel even worse because, I mean, no, let's just be honest, Reverend Glover. I, I, I spent every dime we had and we ended up homeless and he entrusted me with everything. And I messed up. I know people who've gotten divorced for less. Much mm -hmm. less. Mm -hmm. Much, much less. I know that's right. Burn the eggs and it's over. <laughs> yes, it's a done deal. Right? You fold my, you keep putting my, you keep folding my socks wrong. We can't get it together. Because right. we, we have a lack of understanding. We got some irreconcilable differences. Like, you know, mm. you're not making light of divorce, but people do get divorced for far less. Right. But isn't it a wonderful thing that even through all of that, that y'all stuck together, um, even in the, in the you know, coming up the rough side of the mountain, um, um, your husband didn't leave you, you didn't leave him, you didn't, and I know you felt really bad at the moment, but you know, we, uh, the, we say that the, the darkest hour comes before the dawn. Yes. And and trouble don't last always. Always. The song <laughs> um, so there is hope for yes, a brighter tomorrow. And we have to be careful about, about letting 
ourselves get driven into despair and hopelessness mm-hmm. when things don't go the way we plan. Yes. Which is yes. what you're talking about in the next chapter, which is chapter yes. six, talking about rethinking obstacles and seeing adversity as an opportunity. Yes. So how, how is that? That's a difficult um a difficult topic of seeing uh, an opportunity in adversities. What what were you trying to say there in the book? So here, here's what: out of every out of every adversity face, opportunity is in the midst of it. Now, we're humans, so we might not see the opportunity right in the middle of the adverse situation. Sometimes we can. Sometimes we can't. Right. But once the once all of the smoke is clear, mm-hmm. and you're looking at it that, during that hindsight 2020 situation, mm-hmm. what opportunities are you able to find that you can capitalize on and cause it to prosper you and grow? Whether it's uh, grow in maturity, you know, grow from a spiritual standpoint, spiritual maturity, uh, and financially. Mm-hmm. You know, every everything that we're enjoying is luxuries in our life. A common, common things that we're enjoying in our life right now is the result of someone having a problem. And mm-hmm. this device, this new system, you know, this new product or service is the solution to that adverse situation that that individual faced. They saw the problem and provided the solution. Mm-hmm. So no matter what it is, there is a solution. There is something uh, that you can learn and grow from in the situation that you find yourself in, whether the situation is one you caused on yourself. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, you know, let's just be honest, our adverse situations generally can be the results of bad decisions we've made. But it's a lot easier to blame it on the devil. It is. It is. I promise you, the devil's sitting somewhere in the second heaven saying, look, Jesus, talk to your, your people down the line on me. I know I'm the father alive, but I ain't got nothing to do with that. They just suffered the consequences of their bad decision. I didn't do that. Like, <laughs> right, 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 right. But, you know, it's it's easy to, it's easy to, um, to not take responsibility and blame it on somebody else. Yes. Uh, either the devil or somebody that's in, in your life somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and I think that the same things that apply to um, in, that serve as impediments to your learning and, and applying also um, are applicable here. Yes. Um, we, we, we are fearful when it, and when it comes to doing a, a self-examination, as they say, an assessment. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. I'm at, an assessment of what have you been doing? Mm-hmm. Is, is there a gap between your goals and your your values and your goals is there and is there, are you is your practice on on path you know is it in line with 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 your goals exactly exactly because here's the thing in the midst of that adverse situation i could be angry with myself i could have been angry at the at the person who came back and took their house but in and over the years looking at it so this happened in 2004. By 2008, we recovered and purchased our first uh, investment property, which happened to be a multifamily property. The property that we lost was a single family home. What did we learn in that? And looking at that, instead of blaming the owner for coming back to get their home, mm-hmm. I had to do some of the digging because even in the material that I had, doing the spreadsheets 
and working out what the ARV was going to be, working out, you know, the cost of the repairs. Also, in every basic uh, real estate investing calculator or worksheet, there's a section that talks about the reserves. Mm -hmm. I have no reserves. Right. That wasn't on the course and that wasn't on the previous homeowner. That was on me. Mm -hmm. Choosing to move forward in this deal without counting the cost mm. of having at least three months in reserves. Right. Because if I would have had at least three months in reserves, even though they came to get the house, I wouldn't have been homeless because I could have took that three months in reserve and went and rented. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Jesus talks about building a house and not counting the cost. Counting the cost. Exactly. You know, so, he talks about going to war without real uh, without knowing if you have enough men. Come on now. That's it. That's it. And that, so that's on me. That's on me. I did not take the time and patiently wait through the process. I we had the money for the down payment and all of that stuff. But I did not want to wait for the reserves. The time for the reserves. Because here's the deal. With that particular piece of property, it had been sitting so long that if I would have just waited a couple of more months to get that reserve money, mm -hmm. the house still would have been there. I probably could have done this, too. I could have, knowing what I know now, I should have negotiated a lower purchase price to get that lower down payment. So mm -hmm. that money that I had in that moment, it could have been for my reserve. Mm -hmm. If I just wanted it in that moment. Mm -hmm. But me thinking I knew what I knew because I had taken the courses and not taking the time to even call back to Cousin Curtis to say, hey, Curtis, this is the deal. What do you think? Like, there's so many things that I did not do in that situation mm -hmm. that I cannot be angry with anybody but myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the same again, the same thing with with so what, what comes brings us to the preparation. You know, you're talking about preparation, the adversities that come up um, that don't go well because of the lack of preparation um, and understanding and wisdom for the for the task at hand. Uh, same thing happens in ministry. People wake up one morning and decide they want to be a minister or a pastor without being prepared. And, and um, they end up hurting people, end up end up inflicting pain and suffering on mm -hmm. people who are supposed to be with supposed to be there to help. So preparation is a key and it can certainly help you um, as far as the reserves are concerned. You know, any business, uh, whether it's a restaurant or any kind of business, if you don't have enough money to carry you through a few months, um, uh, you, you could you're potentially at, at you're exposed to loss. It's not even potentially. You're yeah. exposed. Right, 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 right. <laughs> You're exposed. Right, right. And it was my impatience, my immaturity, um, my lack of experience that walked me into that situation. Mm hmm And it came back and it bit me in the butt. Mm hmm And because I have a family, it bit my family in the butt. But God is so faithful. Mm-hmm. He is so faithful. Did you think that while you, did you think that God, you know, how, how did you see God in all of this? Did, did you think that God would bring you through eventually? Yes. So while I was making the mistakes, I was, you, you, you've seen people testify in church about what the Lord done done for them. 
Mm-hmm. And then two, three months later, the car get repossessed or the house get foreclosed on. Right. And then they said, that's the devil. Right. That's kind of where I was in that moment. Mm-hmm. Because God didn't cause me to do that. I had to learn the difference between what I want with my flesh and what the Lord was really leading me to do. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that house in my flesh, and I did it in my flesh, and I got the results. But mm-hmm. I knew this, that I served a God that would never leave me nor forsake me. And so I went back to God in prayer. I did it. I, I wanted to own my mistake. Lord, I'm in need of a miracle. Mm-hmm. This is the work of my own hand. I didn't wait for your instruction. I did it on my own. But Lord, I need you to provide a way of escape for me out of this situation because I don't know what else to do. You know, and in that, and in and in those times of prayer, I, I honest, you know, how I felt about the unnecessary burden that I caused to my husband, to my family, you know, the desire, you know, even with the thought of calling back and telling our parents and our grandparents that, hey, we need to come up with all this money at the time so that we can move into something quickly mm-hmm. to um to keep my family from literally having to sleep in our we uh, at that time, our family car was a suburban. Mm-hmm. You know, keep us from having to sit in the suburban because going to the hotel wasn't an option because I didn't have the hotel money. Because mm-hmm. at that time we were in the process of credit rebuild of credit building, so the balances, the available credit on the credit card was slim. So I did that, and I went after I came out of prayer. This was about third day into knowing the situation. After I came out of prayer. Um, the Army has what's called uh, on-post housing. Mm-hmm. Now, per, per a previous experience, I knew that the Army would not see that as an emergency. So I can you, if you have a real emergency, you can go to the Army. You can go to your chain of commands that I have an emergency. I need some funds. Can you give it to me? Well, years and years before, sir, we lived in an apartment. We lived in a duplex or a townhouse that the owner stopped paying the mortgage and it got repossessed. Mm-hmm. And my husband had only been in the military maybe three, four years at that time. We went to his chain of command and told him what happened. It was an emergency. And my husband got in trouble for not being financially responsible. Because again, we should have had savings, emergency savings that could have moved us into a different apartment. Mm-hmm. And so that financial responsibility piece was on us not the army. So I did not want to go back there when that feeling dropped, when that when that came in my spirit, go to the housing office. I didn't want to go there because in a situation that truly wasn't my fault before, I can't control someone else paying their mortgage. I could just pay my rent. And we're paying our rent. The army told us, no, you're going to get in trouble for not being financially responsible. I didn't want to go. But it was in my spirit to go. And so I went. And it was almost the end of the day. It was time for it to close. And the lady who helped me, uh, I came in and told her what happened. At that point, it was no need of trying to sugarcoat it or nothing. Like, ma'am, look, this is what I did. This is what has happened. And the last thing I want to do is get my husband's chain of command involved for him to get in trouble for something that I did. Because in the military... 
they hold the military service member responsible for the actions of everybody. Mm-hmm. And so they would have held him responsible for what I did. And she said, you know what, sis, I understand. We're going to help take care of you today. Don't mm-hmm. even worry about it. We're going to get you. And you got how many babies? And so I told her, and the ages of my children at the time, and they were babies at the time. I was, I, my youngest was still breastfeeding. I had babies. Mm. So she did that. And when, when the Lord has an intent to bring you out of a situation, he's going to bring you out. Mm. But he brings you out and you have to learn. You have to grow through. That's what, what I mean in the book by growing through. Mm-hmm. These things happen, but I had to grow through them. Not only go through, but grow through. Grow through. I had to learn. I had to grow. We had to grow together. And acknowledging him, the Lord, in every step of it. Losing the house was bad. Being able to walk into the housing office at 4.30 in the evening, and they close at 5 and sign contracts and get keys to move into a house the Mm -hmm. next day. That's a miracle. Yes, it is. Because even in that, moving in there was not, it it was still supposed to cost us some money Mm -hmm. that we didn't have at the time. And so, because we lived off of the installation and where we come from, our previous duty station, we never moved on to the installation. We were entitled to what's called an on-post move. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Neither did my husband. So, the moving company came out and packed us up and moved us to the other side of town to move into the government housing, um, to the on-post housing. And that's where we remained until Mm -hmm. for four years. Now, I'm not going to lie and say I was immediately bouncing back to that because I was very joyful and very thankful that I did not have to live in the street. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also very gunshot to go back into real estate. Mm-hmm. Mm. And or anything, somebody tried to say something to me about a business, I was like, oh no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I love the way the Lord works. My my husband was at home with us for about a year, and then he had to go back to Iraq again. And while in Iraq again, um, the initial place he was at, he got promoted, so they had to move him somewhere different. And when he got promoted and moved to somewhere different, his new um, battle buddy, his new roommate, was a businessman. He was all about entrepreneurship, and so he was... And, and he was a man of God, so he was preaching and teaching entrepreneurship all the time to my husband, whether my husband wanted to hear it or not. Mm-hmm. And so one day I get a phone call, and my husband says, babe, we're going to do, we're, we're back in business. You know, us being afraid and gunshot, not, we're not going to do that. Here's some things that I learned. I want you to go make these adjustments on our W-4, which mm. was his W-4 at the time, because I was a stay-at-home mom. Make these adjustments on my W-4. We're going to get this this pay increase real quick and here's some things that I want you to listen to I'm mailing them to you read these books and we're gonna hit the ground running when I get back mm. so it's like okay mm. I, I hear what you're saying honey I hear what you're saying I, you, I hope you know what you're doing mm-hmm. you know and by and I, that was he was introduced to the motley food mm-hmm. 
And so we started watching The Motley Fool and The Squawk Box and all of these different things and learning about stocks. And the first thing we did at that time, because at that time it was still profitable to have um, an emergency fund that was in a mutual fund. Mm-hmm. So we we started to do that and learning about self-directed um self-directed IRAs and putting money away and doing different things of that nature. And so, yes, the bounce back happened. Mm -hmm. But we had to submit to some learning and learning how to qualify the people that were around us Mm -hmm. so that what we were learning could benefit us. So uh, so the the, the, really important piece to me is that when you hit the, you know, I guess when you hit the downside of all of it, you know, when you were down, you, you, you prayed, you, you went into prayer, you didn't roll over and die, you prayed about it and you believed that God would bring you out. And, yes. and, and God brings us out, he sends people our way. Yes, he does. That are willing to help and you found that help and that wasn't the first time in your life, according to your book, that you found someone yeah. who was willing to sit with you and stand with you in solidarity and help you get through the storm, as they say. So I, I would just encourage folks to, um, to um, try to be that for somebody. If yes. you can, and if you can't, if you're the one in need, then to seek to pray to God and, and be open to um, uh, receiving a person who comes into your life who can help you. Don't yes. be so prideful that you don't accept the help. Listen, I had a house fire once. And um, about, I think it was about six years ago, we, we built a brand new house, right? And somebody burnt the house down. Mm. And, and, um, so my church family came, you know, and 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 they came with some money for me. And my wife said, we were in a restaurant. She said, oh, no, 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 it's okay. We, I said, Stephanie, this is not the time for humility. <laughs> <laughs> so when somebody, all said, Lord, that, when somebody comes to help, just receive the help. Don't be so proud that you don't want to take the help. You know, um, (laughs) and this is true. This is true. You know, when the Lord reveals the person, uh, presents before you the person who's he's divinely appointed to help you for growth in that air in that time of your life. It's important that we recognize it and receive the help. You know, they uh, the church that we were attending at the time, our pastors were both um, the the uh, pastor's wife was from South Side of Chicago. Uh, Bishop is was from Alabama. But the point is, they were um, African American. They had some identifiable stories, aspects of their life that we could identify with in our life. And they owned multiple businesses, and and they started and come up through the ranks in the military, just like my husband. And so. I remember going to uh, Pastor Danielle and asking her and telling her what I wanted. I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I did not know how to make this work. And every, not that I was unwilling to pay for the training, but in honesty, I did not have the financial resources to pay for a lot of the things that I wanted to take or the time to go to college because I was chasing five kids every day. Mm-hmm. And so she said to me, she said, Sister Quasha, if you come down to my shop, because at that time she owned a, uh, an upscale boutique, clothing mm-hmm. boutique, and salon. She said, you come after my lunch rush, 
then you bring your pad and you bring something to write with, something to write on. And any question that you have, I will answer it. And she gave me my first assignment to read the 15-minute manager. Mm. And I read the 15-minute manager and I came back to her because, you know, as I had already identified her as someone that I felt was a safe space to talk to mm-hmm. about me feeling inadequate as a wife and a mom. Right. Because I was so overwhelmed all the mm-hmm. time with everything. I couldn't, if I got one room clean, there was still six other rooms in the house that looked mm-hmm. like a pigsty. Like I, I was in a constant state of depression. Right. So she told me to take that 15 minute manager and read it. And so I read it. And when I came back, after reading it and we were ready for our first session she said now this book is about management but I want you to look at that and every 15 minutes when you accomplish if you were able to wipe down one corner of the kitchen you give God glory don't look at the rest of your house right you give him glory for the 15 minutes that you was able to wipe down that one corner of the kitchen Mm -hmm. and when you learn the more you practice that level of gratitude in the little things, he'll give you the strength and the time that you need to accomplish the big things. Mm-hmm. And if you could get that right in your personal life and mm-hmm. give him that 15 minutes of prayer every day, just 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. The businesswoman you want to become, not only will you become her, but he'll do the exceeding abundant. Mm-hmm. Like and, that. She did, and she did that for me mm-hmm. for seven years. Wow. For seven years. Wow. And we are great friends today, partners in ministry, and God has done just that in, in my life. He exceeded everything that I said that I wanted in that season of my life. And mm-hmm. he's given me things that I never thought were possible mm-hmm. in this season of my life. I'm going to need you to come back in. I want you to certainly talk about this creativity piece. And, and yes. if, when you come back, before you jump into the creativity piece, if you could just tell people where they can find your book um, on Amazon or, and, and whatever else you want to share about the, the um, giving us information as to your podcast, the Laquita's Toolbox and the book, you can say it better than I can. <laughs> so, so um, we've been talking with Dr. Laquita Monley. She has a book, Redefining Success, that she's going to um, tell you where we can, where you can get it. I love the book because um, because of the transparency of her testimony and her experience. She's sharing her her lived experience and the transformation of her life from being a person uh, in great need and going through a um, learning curve and, and coming out on the other side of the struggle um, she has certainly demonstrated the the listening um, the learning and the applying um, to all to of all the wisdom that she's taken in she's applied it and she's come out on the other side now she's going to tell you where she can get this book before we jump into the uh, last piece of this chapter which is on creativity the need for creativity. So where can we find this book? The book can be found on Amazon. It costs um, too much money. <laughs> How much is the book? <laughs> the ebook is $2.99. So the Kindle version. Was $299? Kindle, $2.99. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's an easy price. 
it, 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 it is. It is. And so you, if you like ebooks, you love ebooks, the $2.99 uh, for the Kindle version of the book. Um, and if you like the paperback book, you want to hold a real book in your hand. I like that myself. Uh, you can get the paperback version of the book also on Amazon for $15.99. Let me tell you why I like the ebook. I like the paper books as well, but I like the ebook because in Kindle, you know, I, I use an iPad and I can have the ebook open on half the screen and my note taking capabilities, my pages or Word document on the other side. So I can yeah. copy and paste what jumps out from the book onto a note. Yes. And, and, and the problem I ran into with your book was there were so many things that jumped out to me that I was copying and pasting and said, <laughs> said you have exceeded your limit on what, on what you're able to copy. <laughs> well, that was amen, funny. Amen. I said, I it. <laughs> I got to go back to old school taking notes with my pen and pencil. <laughs> so it's available on Amazon. And what about your, your podcast? So my, my podcast can be found on every major podcast listening platform, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, um, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, um, Google Podcasts, Anchor. I mean, whatever your favorite podcast listening platform is, you can find the podcast there. And uh, those that are following me on Wisdom, you see the link to my podcast in my wisdom profile. So mm -hmm. you go to my wisdom profile and you'll, you know, click that link and it'll take you right out to my podcast. And, you know, it's, it's good. Um, you know, I had a, a gentleman visiting me today. He was here with my son and he's, he's, he's um, getting ready to, um, he's in the market. He's buying, trying to buy a house. Okay. And, and the process, he's, he said, this is something. He's a young guy. He said, you know, it's been taking them months. They've yes. been looking all around. And, and you know, we talk, I talked to him about it. I said, you know, there's someone you might want to listen to. <laughs> 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 I told him to go get your book. <laughs> Amen. Praise and, God. and check Praise out the God. podcast. He said he's going to look you up. So I hope that goes well. I, I, I hope he does. I hope he does. I mean, my with the podcast, the goal of the podcast is really to provide tools, actionable tools that the listener can can leave with that are easily implementable that will help them experience growth um, in their personal life, personal growth and development, as well as in their growth and development as entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason is because people have always been there for me. I may not have always recognized the people, but when I was smart enough to recognize them and were able to, um, you know, submit to learning, mm -hmm. the humans, God has always provided a human being that had what I needed mm -hmm. and that was willing to give me of what they had. And I'm not just talking money because we talked about that in the beginning. Currency right. isn't always money. Right. Sometimes wisdom will cause you to earn a thousand times greater than what somebody can financially give to you. Mm -hmm. If you give it like you, you know, what do you want? Do you want someone to give you the fish all the time, or do you want someone to teach you how to fish? Right. Because you'll give me fish out of what you have. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have much, I can't get much fish. Mm -hmm. If you don't have but $50, 
then you can't, you're probably not going to give me your entire $50. You'll give me a portion. Mm -hmm. But if you teach me how to earn, how you earn that $50, then I could earn a thousand on my own. Let me ask you a question. Um, what would you say to people who might be thinking, well, Reverend Glover, you know, you're the type, the, the, your podcast is called Faith Talk and y'all are talking about business. I think this sounds more like a prosperity gospel message. Um, so what's the connection between faith and business? How, how has that been in your life? My connection between faith and business is this. Um, not one place in the scripture um, has Jesus ever required anybody to be impoverished? Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, when people were impoverished, the Lord provided mm -hmm. for their needs. Amen. So I I don't like prosperity gospel. Right. Because there's no such thing as the Lord just going to give you anything. Right. right. But throughout the course of scripture, not only is it a love letter from the Lord to humanity, but it's also instructions on how to live a prosperous life. Mm -hmm. Whatever you determine prosperity to mean. Right. Whatever you determine prosperity to mean. So when I look at the men and women of God, or the, or if, if we're looking at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, for instance, mm -hmm. they weren't poor. Right. But neither were they stupid. Right. Hey, Amen. They were they used utilized wisdom. Mm -hmm. Joseph taught Pharaoh mm -hmm. how to save. Mm -hmm. So that out of his saving in that time of lack when the famine came, not only did there was there enough surplus to sustain Egypt, but there was enough surplus in Egypt to sustain the countries around them. Right. So right. That's and, what and I would so, say so to people the, about that. It's about stewardship. Yeah, about stewardship. So you can't be successful um, without wisdom. I, I mean, throwing mm -hmm. money at the situation doesn't make you successful. Matter of fact, you redefine success, you know, as being the connection between your living out your values and, and having defined them in a particular way. Um, you know, hitting the lotto doesn't mean that you're going to hold on to that money. Right, right. Having just because someone gets um, a lot of money does not mean they will know what to do with the money that they have. Mm -hmm. Other than because, spending, yeah. Whatever bad habits you have, with five dollars, you gonna have the same bad habits with fifty dollars, five hundred dollars, five thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars. Right. Until you right. change those habits and become a better steward over the things that God has blessed you with. But mm -hmm. that's what the parable of what are the parables of. Is, is all about, right? Of the talents. Mm -hmm. It's about stewardship. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about money. It, it's about a gift. Your, the, your gifts and your talents that God gives us. Mm -hmm. Our gifts and our talents, we can use it to make money. Mm -hmm. Well, I look what at we, your... I what are we at, doing with it? I look at your gift in your, your entrepreneurial journey. Uh, you're sharing the wisdom as being something that is God given to you, and yes. and 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 the the, the um, not only did He give it to you, but your willingness to part with with partner with God and share it with other folks is a great thing. So now you talk about um, 
um, as people, you know, they're going along this life journey, they're, they're going through adversities and struggles, they find themselves in a spot and you say the need to pivot is a call to get creative. So what mm-hmm. would you say about creativity? Creativity is of God. Mm-hmm. Everything, and, and you said it really, really well, everything that we have access to uh, within ourselves internally is of God. Mm-hmm. If the Lord tells us that, or if we receive the vision to write it down and make a plan, mm-hmm. where did that vision come from? Where do you receive the creative idea? Mm-hmm. You received it from him. And where I have this creativity and I've written it down, the plan to achieve the goal, whether it's artistically, through visual arts, music, Whatever it is, uh, as a speaker, as a coach, as a as an author, as a teacher, whatever it is, what and whatever way you express yourselves creatively, it is of God, mm-hmm. and He gave it to you for humanity. Mm-hmm. Now, if, as He's given it to us for humanity, He's also told us that we have we have a need to earn money. A man that don't work don't eat. And so if I'm, a, I'm using these creative ideas as a means to earn money, to take care of my household, mm-hmm. to take care of my community and my city, my state, my nation, my global community, we have a responsibility to use the creativity that God has given us to be a blessing to other people. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: we when, when we get creative, and and I, I love the, you know the creative side. I'm a, I'm a creative person myself. I think so by God's grace. Um, we have to um, nurture those ideas with the preparation. Yes. Um, yes. Can't just come up with a great idea and expect it to kick in place and, and and start working. So for someone without, and this is what I, I always you know when I came off the road as a musician and 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 decided to kind of like start from scratch. Um, I found out this, that at least a person can do with not much money in their pocket is educate themselves. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you can you can get a GED, right? Mm-hmm. right. You, can, you can enroll in a community college. Yes. Um, and start to, to nurture. And we have resources available to us now that mm-hmm. didn't even exist because of somebody else's creative spirit. We have resources now like the Internet. Um, yes. And you can get yourself with no money. You can go down to the library and get a library card. Yes. Um, and you don't have the internet in your house. You can go to the library mm-hmm. and, and sit down and research and, and do do all things. I know people that that operate their business from inside of Starbucks. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so Absolutely. so we have we have you know you talk about in your book you talk about what's in your hand for you to be creative. The upside of that for us today is that there are so many um, advances in technology that we have a lot in our hand. Yes. That we can, um, you know, people are making videos. Um, people mm-hmm. are doing podcasts. People are recreating music studios on a laptop, you know. Um, yes. Um, which is something that we didn't have years ago. Um, so, I mean, if we look back at our forefathers mm-hmm. and the level of creativity that they had. Mm-hmm. And, and let's just look at the reconstruction period or in the uh, the redemption of South period after emancipation. Mm-hmm. 
the level of creativity that our ancestors had to have mm-hmm. in order to survive and thrive. Mm-hmm. The there, I, I'm a little bit of a history nut. And, and during that time in the Redemptionist South, there was an exodus that took place of African-American people out west. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to talk about Kansas in particular. Mm. And at the time, it was said, some historians said it was said at that time that those black people that took that journey out west said that they would rather live in dugouts because their creativity they didn't have enough time to build a house on top of the ground so the creativity said let me dig out some spaces under the ground mm-hmm. and we're going to live out this winter and we're going to survive and we're going to thrive and we're going to build these prosperous black communities so that we don't have to live in terror in the south mm-hmm. creativity is the key And when we nurture it, as you said, when we nurture it, we produce things like a Black Wall Street in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. We produce when we nurture it, we produce we produce things that will prosper us spiritually and naturally. This is faith talk. The amount of faith that they had to have in the God that they serve, because a lot of those exoduses were entire churches moving. Mm-hmm. From Mississippi, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, the both of the Carolinas moving, entire churches and their congregations moving out west to flee from oppression, to go to a place that they ain't never been before, experiencing they never experienced before, and come come in and not have time to do what is traditional, build a house out of wood and brick. So let me figure out how to get me a shelter under the ground it's going to keep me safe from the snow and it's going to keep me cool from the heat mm-hmm. creativity is of God what are we doing with it though mm-hmm. so so those people didn't roll over and die they didn't roll over and die they fought back Yes. And but the thing is they 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 got the the inspiration to move forward in life mm-hmm. and they trusted god mm-hmm. and they they utilized this gift of creativity to explore mm-hmm. and, and make a way out of nowhere as they say this is it this is it they saw the opportunity in the midst of the opposition mm-hmm. they saw the opportunity in the midst of the opposition and they chose to they chose to focus more on the opportunity mm-hmm. and not let fear of the unknown stop them. Mm-hmm. That brings me back to your cousin Curtis because in in the book you said that he um, failed to let systemic racism stop him. Correct. 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 Yeah. So you know it's 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 really um, important that we don't we all go through struggles. Um, in life's journey and we can you know uh, uh, find ourselves in in deep despair but we have to be careful that we don't allow the despair to kill us mm. and, and 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 that we must press on and hold on and and come out of it knowing tr- knowing and trusting God mm-hmm. this is true this is true yeah. we, you can, we cannot let the adversities of life um 
continuously keep us in a place where we're stuck and stagnant or backpedaling. That mm. comes down to a personal choice. And, and now, you know, I, I, I say that truly in all humility because I understand that sometimes the adversities that we face in life are not a result of our bad decisions, but it is the result of someone else's bad decisions. It's the result of someone else um, doing us harm. Mm-hmm. It happens. People do you wrong. All humans aren't nice humans, and some people intentionally, with malice, do mm-hmm. things to hurt you and do things to try to prevent you uh, from growth. Mm-hmm. And but my answer is still the same. In the midst of th- those adversities, those are the times I've experienced that. I'm sure you've experienced that as well, Reverend Glover, where mm-hmm. you knew somebody was downright just out to get you, and they did mm-hmm. a real good job and got you. Mm-hmm. In the midst of that, when you know you can't save yourself and no one else has come to your rescue, mm-hmm. we have to depend on the Lord. Amen. He is my source and my strength. Mm-hmm. What the enemy meant for bad, the Lord will surely take it together and work it together for our good. And I'm not saying he's going to prevent any bad thing from happening to you. You know, I I like to encourage uh, people and myself when I'm in the midst of a situation that I tried to pray away and it wouldn't go away. Mm -hmm. That uh, then I have to know that God is that fourth man in the fire with me. Mm -hmm. I'm in the midst of the fiery furnace Mm -hmm. and the fire is hot, but I'm not burned and I'm not consumed and I don't smell like smoke because the fourth man showed up in the fire with me. Mm-hmm. And he will deliver me out of it. And it's important for us to also um, not be led down the path of thinking that bad things happen to us um, because we're bad people. Yes, that's you're, good. You're not an evil person. I found right. myself explaining this to somebody, trying to share this with somebody the other day who was on the phone with me, the, a young lady, her, her house, her apartment burnt down. And within a week, her car flipped over. Mm. And so now here she is, you know, feeling totally in despair and desolation, feeling that, well, maybe something is wrong with me as a person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is a horrible feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so not not everything that happens to us is because we're evil people or God is out to punish us or, or, or anything like that. Sometimes mm-hmm. stuff happens for our bad choices or other people, um, negative energy, um, against us mm-hmm. uh, but it's not because we're um, now if you are a bad person then that you have to deal with right <laughs> but 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 i just hate people to be led down that path of thinking that that all the things that are happening to them are happening because they're a bad person this is true this is true you know bad things do happen to good people Mm-hmm. Look at Jesus. Yes, exactly. Bad, bad, you know, bad things do happen to good people, and and but we have to know that we serve a God that is well able. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's well able to do every single thing in our life but fail. And yes, that bad thing happened, but He made us more than conquerors. He made us overcomers. Mm-hmm. And what the enemy truly meant for your death, destruction, and downfall. The Lord will use that thing and is using that thing and working it together for your good. Mm-hmm. 
I can look back at a lot of adverse things that have taken place in my life that came to attack my identity, my self-worth, you know, the value that I have. It came to crumble me. Mm-hmm. And now, in this position that I'm in, in this at this moment in time, those testimonies to God's goodness, his grace, his mercy, his power, how he delivered me out. I look at those situations and when other people receive them and hear them and they're able to take the tools that I learned and they're able to use those tools to grow and to prosper them, it's amen. Amen. It's amen and it was worth it. Yes, I thought I was going to die in the middle of it. It did not feel good. Y'all don't get me wrong. I'm not a super crazy individual that says in the middle of bad stuff I just give God glory and I'm dancing and shout no I'm not doing that when something bad is happening to me I'm sad I'm sad I'm upset but in the core of my being I know that this too shall pass somebody just sent up some hand claps and I thank you for that for being attentive and listening in and showing appreciation for what's being said um Dr. Monley, uh, for the for the listening audience, we've been looking at her book, which is Redefining Success. We're on part three, and I hope to um, next week to um, to wrap up the series. Um, I think there's three more chapters left. We'll probably be able to touch on all of them. But it's been a wonderful journey. I feel privileged, and I feel um, a sense of honor walking through this book. Um, I believe in 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 the content. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe in the content. I believe it's wise counsel. And I believe that it encourages people and can, it's not going to wave a miracle, a miraculous wand over your head and and put you on a path to success. But if you study it and you, and you, hopefully the book leads you to an appropriate response to the Mm. book and, and places and you get yourself partnered with God and placed on a, a trajectory towards transformation and changing your mindset and helping you to overcome the um, the challenges that are before us. Mm-hmm. So I think um, this is probably a good place to um, to close out, and we should be back next week at the same time, about four o'clock from New York. Um, and Dr. Money, I really appreciate you being here today. Do you have something you can close us out with? Well, uh, uh, again, Reverend Glover, thank you so much for taking the time to have this book review with me. Um, I, it, it is really appreciated, and I'm just very grateful um, for the Lord bringing you into my life. So I just want to say thank you. And to those that have been listening to us over the last several weeks, thank you so much uh, for coming in each week and, and taking part in, in this wisdom chat. And prayerfully, you know, that many of you will go out and get the book. And I look forward to hearing your feedback on the book. Um, again, it can be found on Amazon, uh, the ebook, as well as the paperback. Go on out to Amazon, get yourself a copy of the book, and let me know a review. Follow me on Wisdom. I, I do follow back. Um, I'm also on most major um, social media platforms. I'm on TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, um, and if and Instagram as well. And so, if you feel you want to reach out to me and send me a message reach out to me and I do respond back as well. But yeah, you know, again, thank you for so much for having me. I always enjoy uh, every time we're able to have a chat here on Wisdom. Well, this is this is the thing. I'll say this in closing. In reading the book, 
I've noticed that in, in Dr. Monley's life, there were people who stepped in, stood with her and by her side, held her hand in solidarity and helped her get through the storm. Mm-hmm. And if you are out there in a storm, Mm-hmm. Um, and she's put herself out there in some capacity. You know, she said, send me a reach out to me. If she can't help you directly, if she can't talk to you, or, or, or if, you know, she might be able to point you in a good direction. So so this is the thing. Um, we can't be so proud that we, we resist when God try to put somebody in our lives that can maybe point us in the right direction, mm-hmm. even if that direction is just pointing back to God. So... Um, we're going to close out now. I thank you for coming, Dr. Monley. I thank the listening audience. Um, my podcast is Faith Talk. If you go on um, Apple, iTunes, YouTube, all those different formats, you'll find it there. The website address is in my profile. God bless you. Have a wonderful week, and I hope that you join us next week at this same time. God, God bless you. you. God, God bless, bless you. Thank you for the hand claps. Praise God. <laughs>